Hello. Hi. 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 Hello. I'm curious about. I'm curious about. I'm curious I'm about. Curious about. I'm curious about building open, authentic, loving relationship. I'm curious about jealousy. I'm curious about polyamory. Does it just mean that you're fucking all the time? How can I tell my parents that my partner is already married? I'm curious about... How do you know when you're too busy to have another relationship? I'm curious about dominant and subordinate relationships. I'm curious about sexual health. How can relationships can evolve with people evolve as they grow and change? And you can have a conscious quickie. I mean, <laughs> if you just want to get to the thing and you add some breath and some eye gazing, the thing gets much hotter, much faster. (laughs) Welcome to the Curious Fox podcast. For those challenging the status quo in love, sex, and relationships, my name is Effie Blue. And I'm Jacqueline Misla. And today we're dipping our toe into tantric waters by discussing a modern iteration called Urban Tantra. There's debate around whether the Western practice of Tantra or Neo-Tantra is cultural appropriation or the natural evolution of ideas and practices. Today, we want to have an introduction into the basics of breathwork in Tantra, while honoring the complexity of the practice. Tantra has been on my list of curiosities for a long time now, and it has historically felt that it comes with such a huge esoteric component that I just hadn't had the bandwidth to dedicate to it. What does that mean for you? It's just complex. Like Tantra is a whole mm. tradition and it has roots mm-hmm. in like Hinduism and Buddhism. And like when people say Tantra in the, the Western world, people think of tantric sex. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's how it's how it's normally packaged. But when you look at Tantra, it's like it's a whole thing, you know. And mm-hmm. I took a workshop or two, you know, I did I took some workshops because, you know curious people take drops (laughs) (laughs) you know that's what we do um so i I did i did the things and i went to some workshops but i found that they were kind of like a little reductive it felt like i was going to like yoga burn or like a booty Mm. yoga class like Mm -hmm. i was doing yoga but i was like in the gym you know it was Mm -hmm. like sure i was doing the yogic moves Mm -hmm. and i was on a mat but I was nowhere near yoga, like the practice mm-hmm. of yoga, you know. Mm-hmm. What um, is booty yoga, it, by the way? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I need to pause. <laughs> <laughs> booty yoga. It's like um, it's like yoga for your booty. <laughs> that didn't make it and make any more sense to me. <laughs> Those are the same words. Like, it's, like, it's this like fun yoga class that you do in like it's like club music light and the you use the poses that are like good for your butt essentially interesting yeah and it's like it is is exactly what like the class the the tantra classes i took were exactly had the same feel which is like it's fun and i just did something that is entertaining and maybe even good for me on some level but i Mm -hmm. learned nothing i understood Mm -hmm. nothing i Mm -hmm. went nowhere near enlightenment or insight or (laughs) you know something new and exciting i was just like i had a really fun time and it was great you know yeah but like you didn't even go anywhere near the the thing itself you know yeah and i think that's what's been my experience with tantra so far i had an experience in grad school so i got my master's degree in social work and in one of my classes one of the professors i think it was a research professor used to talk a lot about spirituality which had nothing to do with the topic at all like that that class never made sense to me if you mm. ask me now how to do proper research within social work i couldn't do it i couldn't do it cuz i didn't learn anything but what I did do was do some breathing exercises. And I remember one of the classes, he had us move all of the chairs out of the way. We all lied on the ground and he guided us through this like breathing exercise, at which point like the whole room, you could feel like everyone was like breathing together mm-hmm. and that energy was building. And it was, it was not sexual, mm-hmm. but it was just like energetic. And I felt something like I felt the shift in myself. I felt the shift around me. And then the class was over and <laughs> we went back to life and I don't even know what, what that had to do with anything, but that did stay with me. And I think because I didn't know if in that experience I would be able to feel anything 
I think mm. that I'm so skeptical. Like it's like meditation. I'm like closing my eyes and breathing. What's that mm. going to do? Like mm. as much as people talk about breath, I'm like, really though? What is breathing <laughs> really going to do? And then I do uh-huh. it. I'm like, oh, that, that's the thing that, <laughs> that it does. So that was my, that was my, my only experience kind of touching it. I think what I'm interested as it relates to tantric practice within sex is two things. One is the effort to be fully present and patient mm-hmm. in the experience. Mm-hmm. I very much kind of want to cut to the chase. Mm-hmm. People are going to be like, you're terrible to have sex with, but I'm, it's, I'm not, but I do, <laughs> I do, I do like to play a lot. And for a good length of time, I just, while I love the buildup, I also hate the buildup. Does that make sense? I think why mm. I love it and hate it is the same. And so the idea of just sitting and staring at each other and breathing with each other, both sounds amazing and torturous. Maybe oh, that's the word. Mm. It's like torturous. Mm. Being patient is like delightfully, deliciously torturous. Mm. Here's my understanding of it. And by no means I am an expert in this. I like definitely, please, if correct me by commenting, by sending me emails, <laughs> just don't scream at me, just correct me gently. But my understanding <laughs> is that when you kind of like have a tantric practice and it's like a part of your life and your sexuality, that it doesn't feel like patience. Mm. like that's the the nuance of it like you're in it and it doesn't necessarily mean you're patiently waiting to get to the other side like you're in it that's fair so you're not necessarily being patient does that make sense yes no totally makes sense as you're saying that right patient and present don't work together exactly patient (laughs) means you're waiting for something present means you're fully in the moment yes so even in my in my attempt (laughs) to be present i still can't even get the language right yes so being present in the moment, my mind is continuing to plan out things days, weeks, years in advance at all times. And to like slow my brain down to be present is always something that I am, I'm working towards. And then there's something that's interesting about bringing the, the intention to have spirituality Mm. within sex. We've Mm -hmm. talked on this, on this podcast about my religious upbringing and and Christianity and the very clear separation of, you know, Mm -hmm. church and sex, if you will. Mm -hmm. And church in the bedroom. Yeah. yeah. So the idea of bringing God, the universe, spirituality into a sexual space is something that I'm interested in because for my whole life, I tried to keep those two things apart. I get that. I kind of, I mean, so I've spent a lot of time exploring kink and BDSM and all that kind of stuff for a long time. And I feel like I did all the things that I wanted to and tried all the things and the things I haven't tried, I don't feel called to. So I'm not really interested in going there. So I'm where I'm in my life right now. I'm super interested in spiritual sexuality Mm. and, and, and all the different forms that it comes in. And I think in at least in my interpretation or at least in my i should say my quest for spiritual sexuality i'm i'm less connecting god the universe or whatever to sex but more about looking at sexual energy that is created during sex as a divine force of its own mm-hmm. that it's almost not necessarily like there's a god that i bring into my sexuality but mm-hmm. my sexuality practiced in a certain way creates an energy that is that connects me to the spiritual spiritual world whatever that means like that's the way i set it up in my head Mm. of what i mean by that and that Mm -hmm. connecting into like connecting to something bigger through the energy that you're creating Mm. during sex like imagine that it's like a bubble Mm -hmm. that grows and grows and grows and like now kind of encapsulates Mm. the practitioners if you will and that is the spiritual like the higher power the energy that then connects me to spirituality i think that's the way i have it in my head Mm -hmm. but i am again i am in i'm such a baby explorer Mm -hmm. at this point with this i will for all you know i will update everyone but for right now that's where i am and i'm i'm like just barely left the the harbor (laughs) going into the waters of exploration (laughs) it's beautiful though that's beautiful i mean yeah that makes sense to me sex and sexual energy certainly has felt like a portal to other parts of myself, to my self-connection, my connection with others. So I can see that. Well, it brings life. Like sex is life, right? I mean, I mean that in a, like that's literally how you make life. So I think it, I think it is divine. Like it, like in some parts of me, like even my reason, not even like my woo-woo self, but my reason is like, well, that's like, that's how you get life. So it's gotta be powerful. If, Mm -hmm. if you do the thing and you create 
I, I know there's a, obviously the biological component, but I just feel like it is so connected to making life that there has to be some divine component. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's beautiful. So that is, I'm now, that as often as the case, I share the thing that I'm thinking, then you share the thing you're thinking. And I'm like, oh, I want that thing too. <laughs> so, <laughs> my, one of my life mottos is and not or. So I want the thing I want and now I want the thing you want to. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. And yeah, let's, let's share it and, uh, and exchange notes. And that's, that's what I love. That's what I love. Yeah. Yeah, there is there is clearly a lot to unpack here, which is why we needed a guide for this exploration. I'm Barbara Corellis, and I'm the founder of Urban Tantra, also the author of Urban Tantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, and Ecstasy is Necessary. What I love about Barbara's approach, Urban Tantra, is that it adapts and blends a wide variety of sacred sexuality practices from Tantra to even BDSM, actually. And she honors a tradition of Tantra and makes it accessible, which I think is, is key. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we started from the top and asked her, what is Tantra? Let's divide things up. It'll make it easier. There's Tantra, there's Neo-Tantra, and then there's Urban Tantra. They're related. Tantra is a huge ancient philosophy started in India, but also passed through into the Buddhist practices of China around maybe the 600s AD. It's a huge ancient philosophy with an infinite number of different practices, different lineages. Each lineage had its own guru. Much of the teachings were never written down, but passed verbally from guru to disciple. Essentially, although some practices can be very, very esoteric and others more uh, earthy, essentially it's about finding enlightenment or a spiritual path within the earthly experience, meaning all the spiritual lessons and discoveries can be made here while you're in a body. You don't need to die and go to a heaven-like place to find spiritual connection and enlightenment. That's classical Tantra, very briefly. Neo-Tantra is the Western interpretation of Tantra for the times we're in. Most everything you see about Tantra, most, is, uh, unless you're in the presence of a classic Tantra guru, is Neo-Tantra. In the West, Tantra has been interpreted as the yoga of sex. Now, I originally had a real problem with that because I knew it wasn't. But then I realized, not just the West, but in modern times, so few religions were welcoming of sex as a spiritual awakening practice that we needed one. And if Tantra was the one we were being handed, we should probably use that. A lot of the connection and the meaning that people are looking to find in organized religion can be found by entering spirituality through the sexuality door, especially if you know the right practices. So urban Tantra is my version of Neo-Tantra, and it's an ever-evolving Neo-Tantric practice And my particular focus with Urban Tantra is on inclusion. The reason I formed Urban Tantra, came up with the idea of Urban Tantra, wrote the book Urban Tantra, was that I wanted a tantric practice that was inclusive of people from all races, all backgrounds, all body types, all sexual preferences, all genders. I wanted Tantra to be available for everyone. And when I first started studying Tantra in the 80s, it felt uh, very white, very middle class, and very exclusionary to a lot of people. So Urban Tantra welcomes everybody to the Tantra table. I love that you said that because I think that 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 has been my experience as a Hispanic woman, that it did feel like that is a white person thing to do. And not even something that I wasn't interested in, but felt inaccessible. I didn't understand what that meant. It it felt like, frankly, when people talk about yoga and meditation and they simplify it to just sit and think and breathe and like, uh, I mean, I can do that, but am I actually doing the thing? And what does that look like? And what? 
and not seeing enough representation of myself as as models in, in doing those things. And so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that. What are some of the myths about Tantra that make it feel inaccessible for some? Ah, oh, you, you are so on my biggest beef about many neo-tantras practices. <laughs> it doesn't have to be so complicated. So I'll, I'll give you some myths about the complications. First of all, okay, it, as I said, Tantra is perceived frequently as couples therapy for privileged, white, middle-aged, middle-class, apolitical, woo-woo, new-age workshop junkies. Do I have all the categories? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, so many of those categories together. <laughs> Wait, one more, one more. And they all live in Marin County, California. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's not that right. Feel like West Coast. Yeah, I got to say, yeah, it's someone very on the East Coast. I, I, yeah. There's some West Coast vibes. Yeah. So the reason I started exploring Tantra and Tantric sex in particular was because I was living through the AIDS crisis in the 80s. I was in the Broadway theater. People I knew were dying and obviously desperately sick. I lost over 200 friends and chosen family members to AIDS. And I was simply looking for a way for my gay brothers to have a passionate, healing, spiritual, intimate connection with somebody else without passing on a deadly disease. Mm. So I looked to Tantra because as I was doing my reading and studying, it seemed like Tantra and Taoist sexualities were so much more about the energy of sex and less about just the genitals. And I was very attracted to that. I was also attracted to the, the mystical feeling I got when I heard people describe their Tantric experiences. And the mystical experiences I started having pretty much day one when I started experimenting, learning Tantra. So, in fact, urban Tantra can be practiced by anyone, anywhere, anybody who can breathe, anybody who has some feeling, and that can be internal because I've taught this to people with spinal cord injuries, can practice Tantra. It is not exclusive to any one community. It's not a private club. It's not a religion. It's not a cult. It's a practice, much like yoga is a practice. And I liked what you said, Jacqueline, about the yoga. It's like, am I doing the thing if all I'm doing is sitting here trying to quiet my mind? Yeah, you're doing the thing. And I wanted to like write a book and have gatherings where people could understand that the simpler things got, the more they were doing the thing. Mm. that it didn't have to be complicated. Humans tend to complicate things and systems tend to complicate them more. Large uh, religious organizations, large governmental organizations, the larger and more bureaucratic it becomes, the more complicated it becomes and people feel excluded. Mm -hmm. Tantra is not all about the sex. As I said, it's perceived that way. But when you start exploring it, you realize that, whoa, this is way bigger than sex. Mm-hmm. However, sex can be the door that opens and lets you into a life of more mindfulness, more connection, more personal power. You can discover the deeper aspects of Tantra simply by doing it. Mm-hmm. You don't need to read 500-page books, although that can be fun for some people. Mm-hmm. You s- start to realize, and this is an important one, Sex in America, in the West, Europe, is often very much about what we do in order to have a longer orgasm. Do this, do that, do something else. In order to have more connection with your partner, follow these 10 steps. And they're all action-oriented steps. Tantra teaches you, taught me, day one pretty much, that 95% of what I knew about sex was completely wrong. That it wasn't about what I thought it was about. That's the magic of sex, the transcendence, the aha moments, the things people are searching for in sex are very similar to the things they are searching for in spirituality. A feeling of expansiveness, a feeling of connection, a feeling of I am more than I thought I was. Mm -hmm. I am part of something bigger than I thought I was. All those 
altered state transpersonal qualities. And tantric sex is about building energy, not about rubbing genitals together mm-hmm. in 57 different ways. You know, mm-hmm. it's about 57 different ways to build energy. And when mm-hmm. the energy is moving, mm-hmm. all of the things you're looking for in sex can happen. So much so, one of the techniques I first learned was the breath and energy orgasm technique, mm-hmm. which was some techniques tips, tricks that I'll tell you about later, Mm -hmm. that if you just lie down and breathe and use a bit of imagination, not fantasy, just imagination, Mm -hmm. and I'll explain how, you can get yourself into a full body orgasmic state. Mm -hmm. I even have an MP3, again, which I'll tell you about later, where I guide you through this state Mm -hmm. so that you can try it for yourself. And it's really quite simple. It's more meditation than it is having sex. And it takes you to a place where you go, oh, this is a taste of what I've been looking for. This is the something more I've been looking for. And it's in the energetic more than it is the traditionally physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Another myth, Tantra has to be done by a man and a woman, whatever that means anyway. Mm -hmm. But Tantra was very, the Tantra practices I saw when I first started out were super heterosexual and very gendered. I quickly learned from experimentation that all of that was made up. Shakti and Shiva were not boyfriend and girlfriend. They were consciousness and they were earth and sky. They were consciousness and, and being. Mm-hmm. And the whole heterosexual myth was just that. So my urban tantra is very gender expansive, shall we say. Mm-hmm. Anybody who identifies as any gender can do it because anybody of any gender can do tantra. And actually that's reflected in the Hindu deities, but it didn't get passed down into Western tantra because we think of gender as a binary. Mm-hmm. Hindu deities do not. They frequently switch genders. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I think people think is that Tantra is very, very, Tantra and Tantric sex is very, very woo, very soft, mm-hmm. very floaty, very dreamy, very not kinky. <laughs> and, right. and what I have, me and my friends and my colleagues and other urban Tantra practitioners have learned is that activities during tantra can be done in a with a feather or with a whip Mm -hmm. it really doesn't matter what you like sexually it just matters what consciousness you bring to whatever it is Mm -hmm. you're doing Mm -hmm. so it's very welcoming of a lot of different sexual flavors Mm -hmm. and certainly kinky people never thought that they were doing or could do tantra or combine the two and people who like the softer styles of sex never thought that something a little more a little harder, a little more intense could be pleasurable and find out it is when it's done in, shall we say, a tantric consciousness or a tantric practice. And the last thing I think is that it takes too long. You need a partner and it takes too long. You have to have sex all day to get to a tantric state of mind. No, you don't. I'll give you the tips later. (laughs) You need your soulmate to practice tantra. No, you don't. The person you're practicing with may become your soulmate by practicing tantra. Uh, so those are, uh, there are a lot of myths, aren't there? Damn. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. For sure. <laughs> I've been interested in Tantra for for a long time. I do always put it on the table when I'm talking about sexual expression. We talk a lot about sexual expression on this show. We talk about how your sexual expression is a part of your self-expression. And I normally, when I mention kink, I also put in a Tantra and, and a spiritual approach to sexuality as well. And it's, it's definitely something that I'm drawn to and hearing you talk about it definitely i'm just like sold where do i sign where do i sign (laughs) what do i have to do (laughs) sign me up um so i'm i'm sold and i am sure i our our listeners as well like we know our gang and i know that people who are listening to you are saying is similar way like where do i sign the thing that i'm curious about is idealistically i'm there spiritually i'm there my curiosity is engaged 
I'm wondering what it looks like. Like, where do I start? What does it look like? What does it look like to practice Tantra? What does it look like to engage, you know, to explore Tantric sex? For example, the parallels that you drew with yoga is, is what I use as well. Like I say, urban Tantra, it's like the way that we treat yoga in the West, in, in the West is uh, essentially how urban Tantra brings Tantra into the Western world and make it digestible so we can like engage in it. And I think, when we tell people about yoga, we say, here's a mat, there are poses, you start with your sun salutations, you know, that's your beginning. Or when you start a meditation, you sit down, you, you know, catch your breath, you follow your breath, and that's how you start. So how are we drawing that picture for people? Like, I have decided I'm going to start a tantric practice. What does it look like? Awesome question. By the way, hatha yoga and, and tantric practices are related historically. So you will often see parallels or go, oh, that's sort of like what I did in yoga the other day. That, that's true. They are connected. Okay. The first thing is release any goals you have and any expectations of what might happen on this path <laughs> or what should happen on this path, despite everything I just said. And now you're all geared up for what should happen. The most ecstatic moments in sex have been in the one you're currently enjoying, not the one you had yesterday, not the one that you're hoping to have tomorrow, but right now. And when I say goals, it's like, okay, we're going to have a great time. We're going to get really hot and heavy and high, and we're both going to have orgasms. And so, okay, if that's the goal, and it's just not flowing that way today, you just like, no, we got to go. We got to both have orgasms. Got to look a certain way. There's got to be penis and vagina sex. And if something goes wrong there, we have failed. No, there, there's no failure in Tantra. When you start off on a Tantric moment together, any number of little side roads may reveal themselves. It may be, you know, the energy generated when somebody bites your earlobe or runs their hand up your spine and suddenly it's like, whoa, and you're taking off in some other direction that doesn't involve the penis and vagina orgasm at all. And it's releasing expectations. Intentions are great. Like our intention is to spend the next couple of hours breathing together, holding each other. We would both like to think to achieve a state of real connection or softness, or holding, or healing, or any intention you might have. There's a whole lot of different ways to get to that intention, which if you start off and follow some of these next tips, you'll probably find, but goals don't work very well. Just like meditation, just like yoga, the next one is stay in the present, stay in the present, stay in the present. A lot of the things we do in Tantra, the practices, are to give our busy minds something to do so that we're not focused on what should I be doing? What do you suppose they want? I wonder what I should do next. Oh my God, did I leave the stove on? Oh, I didn't answer that email. All those thoughts. So part of it is like meditation. How do I keep coming back to what's happening right here, right now? One of those ways is to slow down. My first Tantra teacher had a a little saying, three strokes for 30. Do only three strokes where you might have in the past done 30, whatever strokes we're talking about. Everything done slowly takes your mind into another level, another place of consciousness and helps you come into the moment. Much like you have to slow down to meditate. You can't be multitasking and meditating at the same time. Often our thoughts are multitasking. So slowing down helps you really focus on your partner's breath, your partner's heartbeat, your partner's eyes, your partner's skin, or your own if you're having a tantric moment with yourself. Eye gazing, I mentioned eyes. Eye gazing is super, super, super powerful. So much so that people avoid looking in each other's eyes. You know, like if you're walking down the streets in a, in a busy city or on a busy sidewalk and you catch somebody's eyes and you didn't mean to, and you hold them a moment too long and it's uncomfortable and you look away and get out of it. In Tantra, 
in a tantric encounter, we might start with slow breathing, facing each other, and eye gazing. And eye gazing, it's like dropping down levels. It's like, I'm meeting you at this level. (sighs) And now I'm meeting you a step lower, deeper. And now I'm meeting you a step deeper. People's faces sometimes even change when you're eye gazing. So if that happens for you, don't think you're weird or that anything untoward is happening. Again, reality changes during eye gazing and breathing, which brings me to my other point. And it's perhaps the most useful one of all of these, which is breathe. Breathe more fully, more deeply, and longer. I like to say breathe before sex, breathe during sex, breathe after sex, breathe like your pleasure depends upon it, but it does because it does. The breath, everything travels on the breath and the breath is how we move energy. Let me give you a really short example of how the breath can change your consciousness. If you want to do this, just follow along with me. If you don't, just listen and it'll only take a minute. Just loosen your jaw. Open your throat, close your eyes, very relaxed jaw, very relaxed throat. Take a gentle breath in through your mouth. (sighs) Let it out with a sigh, gentle little sigh. (sighs) (sighs) I tend to be a fast breather. You might be a much slower breather. That's totally fine. But keep it gentle and keep that little sigh there. That little sigh tells you that you're not forcing the air out. You're not producing tension. If you were, it would sound like, ah, it doesn't. It sounds like this. Good. And now just... Gently take a few fuller, faster breaths. Just real gentle, whatever that means to you. And now just relax. Just breathe normally. And just notice if you feel any different. That was a very, very short example, but you might feel like you knocked a few thoughts out of your head. You might feel a little floatier or a little lightheaded. Effie, did you notice anything? Mm-hmm. I felt grounded and expansive at the same time. I felt like I dropped into my body and then I expanded out of that place. Mm. You're good at this, Effie. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Jacqueline, how about you? Yeah, I felt a little bit of that floaty, like a little bit of the of, of a sensation, almost like the best way I could describe it is like bubbles, kind of like, a, <laughs> yeah, kind of like bubbles, nice. like coming up and out. That's how I felt, like a right. good champagne. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm down with that. <laughs> and we only did that for a moment. And if you didn't feel anything, if you're listening and you didn't feel anything, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Many people don't after a minute of an exercise like that. But if you try it for longer, I think you'll be surprised at how far your breath will take you and how much energy it moves. Crash course in conscious breathing. Breathing through the mouth like that is an energizing breath. If we were to breathe forcefully through the mouth like that, we might get feeling very anxious. Mm. like a panic attack. Mm -hmm. However, if you breathe through your mouth with a relaxed jaw and throat and keep that breath relaxed with that little sigh, it's energizing. Mm. It's trippy. It alters your consciousness, Mm. which is exactly the kind of space you want to be in for a transcendental sexual experience. And nose breathing is inherently calming. So if you're feeling really tense and want to calm down, Slow nose breathing is your friend. Okay. All of those tips, release your goals and your expectations. Stay in the present. Slow down. Breathe. Practice eye gazing. 
those few tips, if you bring them into your relationship or even into your self-pleasuring practice, mm-hmm. by the way, you can eye gaze with yourself in a mirror. And I want to tell you that's the graduate level stuff because being your own best lover that intimately with eye gazing is, is a challenge, mm-hmm. but you can do it. Wow. Yeah. I used to say eye gazing is one of the kinkiest things you can do. Brilliant. I will borrow that phrase and give you Please. Credit. Because it is <laughs> so right. much harder. It's so much harder than people think. And you bring your entire self and so much is going on. It's like power dynamics and sensuality. And, you know, so much is in that, in that, that eye gaze. And I, I struggle. It's something that I have to work up to. I really struggle with that. And it's, I feel like no amount of pain, no amount of degradation, no amount of the traditional kinky stuff. I feel like eye gazing tops all of that. Well said. And. You just landed on a topic I'm really passionate about, that intersection of kink and tantra. People who play at very conscious levels of BDSM, in other words, they're really into it for the transcendental experience, immediately get tantra. Because so much of the, of the focus and, let's, and, and the consent and the awareness and the slowing down and the breathing in kink you need to read your partner's body to see how whatever you're doing whether it's a power dynamic or sensation is landing so you learn to very very mindful and breathe with somebody or even guide somebody's breath and the two match up very very sweetly so if you're a little bit kinky or a lot and you go, ah, oh, Tantra's way over on the other side of the spectrum. That's like the anti-kink. No, 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 no. It is an ideal marriage, kink and Tantra, if you are inclined that way. Mm-hmm. And urban Tantra, come over to our side. We, we welcome that connection. <laughs> There's so much, I think, from what you're sharing that is resonating and certainly reflecting back on some of my experiences in sex and and thinking that I, those those elements were there and naturally happening and I didn't even realize right so in my some of my best sexual experiences there is eye contact there is the breathing there is like the, the gentle touch and the for, and the forceful touch and and so that feels great because I was like, oh, I'm doing it. <laughs> and because the buddy knows the buddy knows. Yeah. Yeah. But doing it with intention, I think one of the things that I personally struggle with is the distinction between sensuality and sexuality, that often when I start to get into that space, I am the one who's like, all right, let's, let's do the thing. Like, let's, let's go to the parts. Let's go to the, like, like, we know why we're here. Let's get to it. And yet my best experiences are when it's really slow and actually we don't just get to the thing. And so I love this as a tool for pacing and patience and energy building and connection to self and, and to partner. Yeah. And you can have a conscious quickie. I mean, if you just want to get to the thing and you add some breath and some eye gazing, the thing gets much hotter, much faster. <laughs> yeah. Have you in your work experienced kind of before and afters, if you will? So if folks come to you and, and, and said, we want to be engaged in this process because things are not, we're not feeling connected, things are feeling bland, and then they go through the experience. And what are some of the things that they say has happened as a result? My favorite example, I was teaching a workshop at a college and it was a breath and energy orgasm workshop, which in colleges I present as how to have a gender free orgasm because there is no gender to breath. And it was a Friday night. So it tended to have a date crowd element to it. And one young woman came with a guy and the breath and energy orgasm experience is a solo experience, or at least the, the way I present it certainly is when I'm teaching it, because you really need to focus on you, not anyone else. And so we're breathing and breathing and we're breathing up our bodies, uh, imagining that we're filling our bodies with energy. And at the end, we hold our breath and we kind of hold all the energy in really tightly as if to compress it. And then we let go. And a lot of people go into, we'll call it trance. They go into a new space. It might be an emotional space. It might be, it often is. 
a transpersonal sort of spiritual space, but it's, it's not here. So we do this. And at the end, people are waiting to tell me their experience in a little line after the workshop's over. And this young woman's in the line. And I went, oh, where's your friend? And she said, I asked him to leave because everything I ever thought I wanted in dating in a relationship has changed. Uh, wow. <laughs> talk about life changing. Wow. Okay, then. <laughs> it's, it's, I've had people also in college, a high pressure school, really super academic school in May where they're all studying for their exams and feeling super, super pressured. I've had more than a couple of people decide to like dump their majors after the energy orgasm and go off on something that means more to them. I've had, in terms of couples coming together as opposed to people dumping things, although you often do have to let go of something to get to welcome something new in. Actually, it with couples, it's the same. People often have to let go of old beliefs about their partner or about how sex works or what they enjoy. We often buy into, I should enjoy this. I'm enjoying this. I'm not really, but I have to say, because I don't know what else I would enjoy, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. You often have to let go of stuff, of old beliefs about who you are and what you're doing in order for the new magical to come in. And that's what I try to encourage couples to do, Mm -hmm. is to let go of everything they thought they knew about sex for just a moment. And let's Mm -hmm. rebuild from the ground up based on what we really want to prioritize and who we are at the moment. I, I remember coaching someone in, 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 and I suggested a, an erotic massage evening. Mm-hmm. And one partner wanted um, some domination. The other partner said, okay, I can try that. And they went into what they thought a dominating person would be like, sort of like, that, you know, mm-hmm. classic pro-dom in the movies, the porn mm-hmm. movie. Mm-hmm. And it was so not them, so not them. They were so miserable. And they just said, I can't do this. And the partner was super understanding and said, well, make up your own version of what somebody in a holding the power role would do. Mm-hmm. And it turned out it was a super mommy. When they breathed and eye gazed, it gave the partner time to find their super mommy. At, which was a very powerful, strong, holding personality. Yeah. But it wasn't the prodon in the leather thigh-high boots. Fascinating. So slowing down and creating connection and doing all those silly little simple tips I just mm. gave you can bring you to, oh. Mm. For sure. Because you slowed down. Yeah. And you released your expectation about how things were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And often when we eye gaze, Effie, you were speaking mm-hmm. of the power of it. Often our partner becomes our mirror and we feel and realize things about ourselves in gazing into our partner's eyes mm-hmm. that we just didn't see another way. Mm-hmm. For sure. Absolutely. So fascinating. So, so fascinating. I am yet to come to one of your workshops and it, it has been on my list for, for a long time. And I'm, I'm interested because I want to learn at the same time. I am interested in those transformations that happen in those workshops and those experiences for sure. And as I was listening to you, you talking about that, I also wondered if Tantra would be a good tool, be a good space for people to also process sexual trauma from the range of like big T trauma all the way to kind of the cultural trauma that we inadvertently have because sex is stigmatized and shamed and, you know, it's, it's, it's not spoken to where the tantra would be a good practice to towards healing that. I think so. In my experience, it has been for both me and a lot of the people that I've seen, the hundreds, maybe thousands of people I've seen, but I don't want to say, oh, you don't need to go to a proper trauma therapist. You just need to practice Tantra. No, 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 no. However, when you work with the breath and when you work with profound heart connections and you slow down and your edges soften and you feel your emotions more, 
it can often lead to that kind of healing. Pretty much, remember, I started during the this during the AIDS crisis. So one of my he- biggest intentions with doing this work was healing. Mm-hmm. And I mean that very broadly. And I have seen people make profound transformations, healing transformations, as they play with this stuff, especially the breath, but the breath and touch, the breath and connection with another human being. But like I said, I think it's a great complementary mm-hmm. trauma therapy, but it isn't mm-hmm. therapy. Sure. But, but a complement to it, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Much like homeopathic is not chemotherapy, you, you know, and sure. if your cancer is very serious, you might want to, you, you might want to have surgery and use homeopathy as a complementary medicine. Sure. So we have been talking with you about how to get to know ourselves better and our partners better. And I want to spend the last few minutes getting to know you a little better. <laughs> and so we have four different questions that we would love to ask you so we can learn a little bit more about you and your experience in this work. So the first is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self about love, sex, or relationships? It will all change. What you want will change. What you find attractive will change. It, mm-hmm. There will be so many surprises, some shocking, most wonderful. Just, just know it's all going to change. Relax. I love that. That's such a good advice that we haven't heard yet on the show. So I love that. I love that. Okay. What is one romantic or sexual adventure on your bucket list? One I have not heard of yet. Something new. <laughs> That, that surprise me. That surprise I don't even me. surprise me. Because the universe has consistently, so why should she let me down now? Love Great. that. This may feel self-evident, but how do you challenge the status quo? <laughs> as often as I can. Um, it's 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 one of my top ten turn-ons, challenging the status quo. Nice. And I don't mean doing it. I had a good discussion with somebody about this recently. And it's like, you can do that out of ego and you can do that out of service and just watch your balance. There's nothing wrong with, you know, getting off on it. Like, look what I did at work. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. I think that's what keeps us going is that thrill of, I did something good. <laughs> but yes, there's a balance between ego and service. And I try to check myself to make sure I'm much more heavily leaning on, on the role of service. Yes. That is such a great distinction. Yeah. It's not just to make me look cool or because mm-hmm. that feels very empty very quickly, but seeing yes. how it ripples out over people's lives and across the world in the case of urban Tantra is mm-hmm. super rewarding, but you know what? It's also it's also like, hey, if I kick off tomorrow, if I get hit by a bus, they've got it. How wonderful. That's, I think, what I'm mm-hmm. the proudest of. Yes. That it doesn't take me to drive this ship. Awesome. Awesome. I'm loving your answers. Last but not least, we are a curious bunch, and we are curious about what you're curious about lately. You know what I'm curious about? I'm curious about what... Conscious sex, tantra, conscious kink, um, the possibilities of what that would look like in expanded virtual reality games Mm. and stuff. What, how can we play with sensation in another dimension? What are the people working in artificial intelligence and augmented reality? And what sort of things are possible out there? I'm, mm. I think there's things possible out there, both spiritually and sensually. I'm, I'm one of those people who puts on a virtual reality headset and I'm like, oh, yeah, do me. So I'd like to know what the other possibilities of that. Oh, during the pandemic, I was doing virtual circles and virtual workshops. And we start. I started doing virtual hugs with people. And how mm. you did that was you unmuted yourself so I, we could hear each other breathing. And we would lean into our laptops or whatever device with third eye, which is forehead, to camera. And we would wrap our hands, our arms around the device. And we would breathe into the circle. 
and be damned if we couldn't feel the energy. We could feel the hug. It was like hugging wow. a circle around the world. Wow. So oh. I know it's possible. Yes. And I'd love to see what we could do with that in augmented reality spaces. Think what that might mean to people in nursing homes or prisons. Mm-hmm. You are speaking my nerdy language, Barbara. I spent last you know, my, as as meta becoming a thing. I'm just I, I you know same same curiosity. There's definitely a part of my brain that is wondering what can be done in those spaces and how to make them connected to the reality, the the real time, and still have those experiences, but not be disconnected from our bodies and our senses. And it be an augmented experience, a layer on top, rather than something that we disassociate from our body and go to. Like, how do you bridge that yes. to make it? Yeah, that is yes. fascinating. Fascinating. Yes, <laughs> I'm there with you. <laughs> you got to find somebody to come on the podcast who can speak about that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm the answer is like yes. Putting it on the list. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Putting it on the list. Love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I have learned a lot. I'm going to practice the things I'm going to. So I'm going to practice being present and slowing down and having eye contact and the breath. I'm going to re-listen to your exercise and find the MP3 and listen to that as well. So that this way I can practice on my own. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara. It was a great conversation. Thank you so much. To learn more about Barbara Corellis, attend one of her online workshops, or listen to her guided meditation for breath orgasms, then visit her website, barbaracorellis.com. You can also check out her books, Urban Chantra, Sacred Sex for the 21st Century, Ecstasy is Necessary, a Practical Guide, and Luxurious Loving, Tantric Inspirations for Passion and Pleasure. And if you have questions about Tantra or have incorporated this practice into your life, then let us know. Head over to our Facebook group and find other podcast listeners and curious foxes who want to engage in all of these types of conversations with each other and come to Instagram. Less conversation there, more pictures, still informative, still fun. You get an opportunity to see what our upcoming episodes are and to be able to weigh in on your curiosities. And then of course, if you want even more than that, Patreon is the place where you have to go. You get to experience our podcast before everyone else. You get special extras and you get to support the work that we're doing. And we're incredibly grateful. If you have an idea that you'd like us to explore it on the show, then reach out to us by emailing us at listening at we are curious foxes or giving us a call at 201-870-0063. This episode is produced and edited by Nina Pollock, whose amazing work allows us to catch our breath when we get lost in our heads. Our intro music is composed by Dev Saha. We are so grateful for their work and we're grateful to you for listening. As always, stay curious, friends. But I also say hedonism and you say hedonism. Hedonism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hedonism. So I'm, I'm not the best person to check. <laughs> with it. We'll just roll with it. Get into a tantra mindset. <laughs> tantra mindset. Awaken the, the snake. <laughs> <laughs> we can sneak. <laughs> Hilarious. I think like Tantra and Kundalini like merge somewhere in the in the in the universe. And I'm like, oh yeah, breathe. Okay. <laughs> now let's get serious. Curious Fox Podcast is not and will never be the final word on any topic. We solely aim to encourage curiosity and provide a space for exploration through connection and story. We encourage you to listen with an open and curious mind and we'll look forward to your feedback. Stay curious, friends. Stay curious. 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 Stay curious.